So, how long we got? Where's our destination today? I don't know. We got 20 miles to cover. Let's talk some movies. People don't know how to drive. Are we going to get lunch on this gig? You seen anything good recently? Not really. Right, we got a little time, Steve. Let's do a podcast. Sounds good. Behind the wheel, Steve. How does it feel? Feels great. It's been a while, yeah. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. We are driving from downtown Chicago, the beautiful downtown Chicago. After a gig. This is legit. It's not staged. This we is straight actually... up classic. The classic. origins of film driven. The origins of film driven. Writing exactly. to and or from a gig talking about movies. Exactly, exactly, Steve. And of course, it also happens to be Halloween time. Yeah. So I guess we are uh, contractually uh, obligated to talk about horror films. Uh, and uh, we abide by our contract. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, our contract's pretty loosey-goosey at this point. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I uh, I actually really like horror movies, though. I'm one of those guys. I You know, it's not just horror movies, Andre. I kind of enjoy, like, a, a little seasonal action with movies, sometimes I like yeah. my uh, my mindless fun in the summer and my serious bit in the fall, and it's occasionally like you know we'll look for hey it's President's Day let's watch a president themed movie president you know movie and uh, but yeah. top of the list of that is I love to watch horror movies specifically in the month of October it gets me in a Halloween frame of mind the Halloween spirit yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. Do you like, like, when you say horror movies, do you, like, there's such a huge field, horror, right? I mean, horror is a huge genre. There's a bunch of different horror subgenres. Unlike, like, uh, you know, all genres have little subgenres, you know, the mini, mini versions of what they are. Like, you know, in Westerns, you have... Revisionist Westerns, which is actually kind of a whole movement, you know, Westerns that take a contrarian view to the normal, the usual classic, if you will, Western myth. Uh, And there's a couple of others, you know, obviously the spaghetti Western and, uh, you know, the comedy Western, that kind of stuff. But with a horror genre, there's tons of these things. There's the the monster genre, the alien genre, the the slasher genre, the haunted mansion. I mean, again, these are actually subgenres, but you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, they sure. all live under the umbrella of uh, the horror genre. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite subgenre in the horror genre? I I, I can't say that I do. You know, I. Um, uh, I'm not a giant horror guy. It's not that I get scared uh, and I don't like it. It's, um, I don't know, it's just not my favorite genre. And it never has been. I've never had a, been pulled towards it. But 
Uh, I would say my favorite horror subgenre is probably sort of man against elements, you oh. know, where somebody is just where nature is attacking humans in a certain form or another. Oh, interesting. Such as, uh, well, you know, like Kingdom of the Spider or Jaws or the, that kind of stuff. You okay. Know, the Alligator 2. <laughs> those kind of films. Sure. Those are my probably, I don't know why, Steve. Yeah. I don't know why. But I like that stuff. You don't see a lot of that these days. No, there's not as much. I mean, even the, uh, you know, like the shark have gone well into parody at this point. Right, right. Like, uh, um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I think my favorite is more of the psychological horror. Um, the psychological horror? Yeah. Like yeah. Dead Ringers? Like that kind of stuff? Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, yeah, I, li- I like, uh, like my favorite horror movies are the ones that really f- fill you with a kind of deep, soul-shaking dread. Like, not, like, not so much the slasher movies, but more about, more like... More so than the normal soul-shaking dread. Yeah, I guess, like, just something that you do, I don't know, uh, a deep evil. <laughs> a deep evil coming a out. deep you. evil. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting. What, what, uh, another one I like is uh, vampires. I like the vampires. And I also like the wolf people. Yeah, we discussed when we did our uh, our eighties thing. Yeah, your well, big wolf thing. I hear, you know, I I don't know if I've seen them, but at the beginning of the year, how was it Sundance or something? I think there's some more wolf movies on the horizon. There's a, it's about to be a wolfy time. I um, I I'm I think it's time for a wolfessence. You wolf. know, like a renaissance of the wolf wolfman genre. Sure. For the longest time, you know, we had just zombie. The zombie subgenre has dominated. Yeah, right? and zombies still, are. You know, that's the thing. I'm not a big zombie guy. I know it kind of puts me in the minority of the world. Zombies are quite popular. Um, one of my college roommates is a big zombie guy, and uh, I'm not as much into the zombies. But, uh, but I do like, and maybe it's the existential dread, and the zombies certainly qualify for this. I I love a good. Uh, horror movie is metaphor you know like like take something that bothers you in real life and then make a horror movie out of it okay yeah well i mean i always come back to one of my favorite godzilla well godzilla Godzilla, sure yeah godzilla is like fear of nuclear annihilation you know like in some what have we done yeah godzilla is the the horror movie version of the incredible hulk in a way which is a comic book own. version of uh, Frankenstein. Sure. It all comes down to that. Yeah. And, uh, and like, the one I always like to talk about, we discussed this in our 80s Man plays too, was, um, yeah, the Cronenberg movie, The Brood. The Brood. Where he made a divorce movie, but in his divorce movie, his ex manifests evil mutant killer babies that yeah. emerge from her. So, like, right, 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 he right. imagines the bile... And uh, bad vibes of his ex as a literal monster, right? <laughs> that must be defeated, right? So uh, I was, and uh, you know, I mean, Kramer versus Kramer is fine, but I'm like, yeah, there's no mutant hate babies that emerge from uh, one of the people in that movie. So yeah, yeah, the the, the it's uh, I, I like the Brood. You know, it's kind of a funny movie. By I feel I didn't feel like those kids were that threatening. They were creepy. They they had the uh, 
the sort of the element of surprise on their side. Yeah. But well, they didn't, it, like, horrify me, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. Well, it's very, I, I mean, I don't know about you, there are very few movies that, like, scare me in the traditional sense, but there are, are movies that I find, you know, unnerving. You know, right. like that, so that's what I kind of mean by the the soul dread and like there's things that are creepy and get under your skin. So you like movies that 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 like kind of creep you out in the long term more than just surprise you with jump scares or 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 various Yeah, in general. And in a movie, I don't mind a slow burn in a horror movie, but I will say there has to be a payoff. Like I've seen some movies that are so slow burning that they think, like, if they just make a movie that's 100% subtext, that that's enough. Right. And I, I don't like that. I like things that... It can be, like, a really slow build that maybe there's not a payoff until the final 15 minutes. But as long... If there is a payoff, then I don't mind the slow burn. Um, and everybody's got their different tolerance for that. There's this term came up in recent years. They called it elevated horror. Are you familiar uh-huh, uh-huh. with this term? Yeah. Elevated horror. Yeah. And it's, I mean, basically it kind of came out of some of the more independent horror movies. And it had two, I mean, the idea is basically like horror movies, but smarter. And so that they were less focused on like, say, jump scares or slasher, like not like Friday 13th or Freddy movies, but, you know, more of a, like a slow burn dread movie. And uh, I'm actually unclear if any of the makers of these movies ever used the term. <laughs> and I know that longtime horror fans really hate this term because it implies that, like, prior to 2005, horror movies are dumb. Right. And uh, right. people who like horror movies are like, well, fuck off. You know, that's, uh, I've, uh, horror movies are quite smart. I mean, one of the things well, many, I've seen... many are, and, and many aren't. You know, it's a, sure. it's a whole thing. But I do think there is a certain amount of prejudice against the horror as a genre. Because it's a it's it's by its very nature an exploit exploitative. Am I saying this right? Um, it's exploitive. It's an exploitive genre. It's essentially exploitation, meaning that the film manipulates the emotions of its audience, and you know usually does it through fear, which is let's face it. The well, yes, it's designed to scare you, right? But... Exactly, exactly. So it's inherently exploitative, and. Um, and I think it's frowned upon to have that because there's, you know, you know, there's a there's a hierarchy of pictures and with drama being at the height of the hierarchy and everybody else kind of gets the short ship. Once you get into horror, then it's like, oh, my God, sure, you put some ugly creature on the screen and people will get scared. That's the perception that I think horror has had to live with since the beginning of commercial cinema, right? Uh, and, but horror films were always among some of the most popular films well, that put out. Yeah, and the like other a weird duality there. The other thing I always respect about horror is that, you know, it's the old motto of show don't tell and horror movies have a lot of showing. Like, you know, the best horror movies have a lot of what you could argue is like pure filmmaking involved. In Absolutely. That like uh, things like dialogue and things are not as heavily influenced in a lot of horror movies, so you really have to rely on lighting and camera movement and Absolutely. framing and and you know a lot of people point to Carpenter about this that if you look at John Carpenter movies, I mean like there's a lot of very intentional, well-designed camera movements. 
you know, not necessarily long steady cam shots or things like that, but like just the way his camera moves and like even something as simple as a pan, it's all with a purpose <laughs> to provoke things at you. And um, yeah, so I've always respected that about the best horror movie. I mean, there's hacky horror movies, but there's hacky everything. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, certainly. But but I mean, the the point about the intellectual content of horror films is is important to make. I mean, it, it's you know, like I think the the early height of horror in the history of cinema, even though there were early American horror films, I think there was like the, some one about the shark of New York or something like that. There was a free essentially silent precursor to Jaws. I don't think the movie even exists anymore. Yeah. But my grandpa told me about it, strangely enough. Uh, but, but, you know, the height of that stuff in the early cinema was the German Expressionist films, right? Sure. And those things were intelligent and they were based on, you know, the psychiatric discoveries. I mean, the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Nosferatu was basically a ripoff of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but a horrifying one. Yes. That's still effective, that still instantly is recognizable and iconic in its own way. And think about it. I mean, that movie is, I mean, that movie is a hundred years old, Steve. It's a hundred years old. And that's a crazy concept at this point, is that cinema is that old. Yeah. Uh, but that's the roots of horror cinema. And those films were very smart. So I think. A lot of the best horror, of course, is extremely intelligent. Like you were saying, exists on a metaphorical plane that the story that it's telling represents something deeper, something more profound within society. Yeah. What's the best recent example of that? Of a horror film telling something profound about society. Well, I mean, you know, you Jordan Peele's work, obviously, you have to point to that, right? I mean, he sort of came out and... and uh, yeah, certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, Get Out and Us are two very prominent... Get Out, particularly, was a kind of a movie film of the moment, wasn't it? Like yeah. Like, it captured a certain zeitgeist in society for, for uh, you know, uh, for closer examination, and he did it within the, uh, the sort of the suspense horror genre. Well, and exactly what I'm talking about, too. The Get Out is an example of, you know, taking, I mean, essentially like a political point of view, or at least, you know, it's, a, it's treating the experience of black people in white spaces and then making a horror movie out of, like, <laughs> those experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that not just making, like, a drama or a documentary, but making a genre film out of those experiences. Exactly. And, uh, and I loved Get Out. I mean, like, I'm not... It's not, like, my favorite movie ever, but it is... I thought it was a successful version of that. And Us is an interesting that... Us, in some ways, is a lot messier, but I do find it interesting. Like, I find the fact that it's not as clear-cut what it's trying to do... Um, I mean, you could argue that it's it's not as well executed, but at the same time, I, I find it interesting. And but us is also a movie just anchored by I, Lapita Luongo in that movie is like I thought just a towering performance. So I uh, very much into that. We should make a horror film. Well, I mean, there is a thing that. There's a long tradition of horror movies uh, that continues to this day. 
which is that making a horror movie is one of your best routes into making movies. Because if you make a horror movie, even if it's done on the cheap, and even if it's done with no stars, if your horror movie is scary, people may watch it. Right. Like, and so even as crass as saying an investor, you might actually make some money on it. Right. You know, like, I could write a quirky little indie drama in the, you know, nature of Wes Anderson or something, and maybe it's the best script anybody's ever seen in their life, but if it doesn't have an actor you've heard of in it, it might just get buried. Like, you know, even if I somehow made that movie and... You know, like, the odds are not completely, like, it happens, but it's a long shot. Whereas, like, if you make a horror movie, somebody, first of all, you probably have a, a, I'm not saying it's easy, but you have a maybe slightly easier path to funding it. Because the people who want to fund that are like, all right, maybe I could actually make money on this. And then you might get it in front of people. You might get an audience. Right. And that is a long tradition of, it's gone back, you know, since the early, early days of independent cinema, <laughs> people made horror. I mean, that's how John Carpenter started. He started making horror movies. And uh, even people who you don't associate with horror, like uh, James Cameron and things, were making horror movies for uh, Russ Meyer, right? I uh, mean, or not, not Russ Meyer, uh, Roger Corman. Right, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, and, and, and honestly, I mean, Terminator has quite a lot of horror in it. I sure. Mean, in many ways, it's a horror film. It's certainly like one of those. You know, a, a prime example of like a machine's gun gone uh, uh, berserk. Oh yeah, it's uh, a subgenre, I mean, right? Yeah, the and, first and Terminator obviously has sci-fi elements, and there's a Total. philosophical it's component sci-fi to it. Horror, right? But in terms of how it plays, it's a monster movie. Yeah, it's a I mean, sci-fi horror for sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's the, the Terminator is the monster. Absolutely. Absolutely, but you know, you, there, sci-fi horror is another like of the many sub-genres of uh, of horror, and it's it's the one we it's very popular now, and that may be actually the most popular one, right? Like right now, zombies are still popular, but waning. People are getting zombied out. I feel you got uh, a lot of sci-fi horror, a lot of. Uh, do you think magic, witchery? Well, yes, there's a lot of, like, demon possession and things like that. Like, I'm actually not super familiar with the whole Conjuring, Annabelle uh, tree of movies, but those right, movies have been right. very successful. Yes, the and, Conjuring uh, films, I've of, seen a couple of them, and yeah. they're, they're, they're entertaining, and it's just a weird thing to me, because those movies are based on lives of people who are known hoaxers. But within the movies, they are, like, those busting heroes yeah and it's just kind of strange you know it's just like wh- why what what <laughs> like why why these people why are they why are they the heroes of these movies well it gives in you know something to to hang it on well i suppose but i mean they're full of shit it, 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 it doesn't it undermine the entire the, the, the entire uh, uh, enterprise i guess not i guess not successful. i guess not um, sci-fi, I mean, sci-fi horror is everywhere. It's everywhere. Give me an example. Yeah, just recently, there was a Chris Pratt movie called uh, Future War. Did you see that? I did not. 
sci-fi horror, aliens, scary aliens destroying the world, and people have to travel in time and save the world, and uh, there's a lot of monsters running around everywhere, and, you know, same, same thing, kind of similar to aliens, that kind of said the, speaking of James Cameron, uh, kind of set, set that thing. And of course, prior to that, Alien, which was basically, you know, a monster who jumps out of the shadows, but in, on a spaceship, you know? Well, sure, but that was 1979. 1979. <laughs> I know. But that kind of got the, you know, I, I think there was sci-fi horror before that, obviously. I mean, you could make a case that it's all sci-fi horror. Right? I mean, like Frankenstein was the science fiction of its day. Oh, well, yeah. I guess, yeah, I was mostly... Am I going back space. too far to the source, Steve? Don't know that I agree that sci-fi horror is everywhere and the most prominent horror going on today. You don't think so? I, you just struggled to name two sci-fi horror movies. No, no, no. Your second I, one, I mean, you named a Chris Pratt Netflix movie? What else is there? That's Amazon, my friend. That was okay, very but what's, what else is there? Well, all the superheroes are kind of... Sci-fi horror movies? What do no, you mean? No, not really. Not really. No, you're right. Although, they, I think the next Doctor Strange... I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to, like... You you stated sci-fi horror is everywhere. It's the biggest thing going now. And I'm like... I, don't, I, I didn't and say it was I don't the think biggest thing. I, I, I think said it was very You said prominent. it's, like, the number one most popular subgenre of horror right now is sci-fi horror. And I guess I'm disagreeing because I'm like, what are you talking about? What are these sci-fi... You act like it's hard to go to the multiplex these days <laughs> without seeing three sci-fi horror movies. And I'm like, What? What do you mean? <laughs> so, you know, we've discussed in the past a lot of the classics. Everybody knows, like, the big the big horror movies. We did a whole podcast on horror movies of the 80s, if you want to look that up. But but what, uh, what are some, some of your under-the-radar favorite horror movies, Andre? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything recent, but uh, are there any, any horror movies that stick out in your mind that you're like, this is one that I don't hear talked about a lot? Uh... Well, you know, I got some favorites. You okay. know, I got uh, I got some favorites from uh, from the past. All right. And I got some favorites from the the, the recent past. All right. Which for me is like the eighties, I guess. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I love I love the movie Them. Have you ever seen the movie Them? Is that with the ants? The giant ant movie from the nineteen fifties. Oh. It's one of my favorite giant. Uh, you know, creature movies as a result of uh, nuclear radiation. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorites. The movie's excellent. Gordon Douglas directed them. Yeah. And what else did Gordon Douglas do, Steve? That stars Edwin Gwynn from, uh, known from Miracle on 34th Street. What else did Edwin Gwynn do? Let's see. In Like Flint? Oh, that's right, Gordon Douglas. Absolutely, Gordon Douglas. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Yes, Mr. Tibbs, and later on he had a couple of interesting films as well, Gordon Douglas. Stagecoach? Keep naming them off. Robin and the Seven Hoods. Right, that's that's prominent, prominent, the Sinatra, Sinatra Pictures. But them, okay, what do you like about them? Is it campy or does it actually scare you? It's campy. It doesn't necessarily scare me. I don't actually feel that a good horror movie needs to scare me, although that seems like a very basic mission statement of most horror films. 
Like, I'm not scared of giant ants. I'm not particularly scared of little ants either. Uh, Ants don't frighten me, but I like that movie. It's kind of cool, you know? It's like nuclear experiments. They're blowing off nuclear bombs in the desert, and it makes the ants get huge, and they start attacking civilization. And the army has to mobilize against the ants, and you know, ants are running wild. And the movie, from what I remember, is very contained. It's, it's not like world domination by the ants. The ant thing breaks out, and you know, the U, good old U.S. military puts it down beautifully, as we tend to do, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, just mission is accomplished at the end of the film, or is it? Uh, but. Uh, but I, it, it just plays out very well. It's it's like both cheesy and dramatic. The effects are okay, you know, because they actually have moving and ants that they could film and combine them with uh, with uh, um, you know other footage, you yeah. know, actual sized footage, and make it seem like ants are attacking, and that's that works pretty well because the ant movement is realistic, right? Um, so the effects work, um, and uh, I just like it. It's one of my favorites. I don't know why. That's from the past. Yes. What are some of my other favorites? Oh my God, there's so many. Obviously, Jaws. You know, as I mentioned, Terminator. I love the Terminator. I love Alien. I love Aliens, even though that's kind of a different horror movie. Um, uh, and um, well, I mean, I love Angel Heart. Alan Parker, yeah, Angel Heart. yeah, it's kind of a cool demonic possession, I guess. It's a, it's a weird. It's a, it exists in its own kind of universe, but it's genuinely creepy and scary. Um, and then there's other movies that I have like this weird affection for, you know, uh, that you know that may be a little overblown, but. Um, um, uh, I can't think of any of them. Oh, well, well, we can ping-pong here a little. Yeah. So one of the movies I saw not that long ago is this movie called The Black Coat's Daughter. Uh, it's the first movie by, I think it's the first one, by Oz Perkins, who is Anthony Perkins' son. And um, he's directed some other movies that I have not seen as of yet, called, like, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, a couple other things. But uh, this is, like, one of the exhibits of elevated horror. But uh, The Black Coat's Daughter uh, stars Kieran Shipka of uh, Mad Men fame. And uh, it's kind of a... falls under the category of creepy things happen at a boarding school. It's an old cinema trope. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a slow burn one, but there is, there is kind of a payoff, a good sense of suspense in that one. So, uh, I think that's on Netflix or something, but that one I quite enjoyed. There's some really good filmmaking in that. So the Black Coat's Daughters, maybe not on everybody's list. You know, again, if you're deep into the weeds of elevated horror, I'm sure you've heard of it. But if you're a more casual person who knows The Shining and monster movies, uh, that is one I would recommend checking out. Yeah, that's that's that sounds that sounds fun. You know, uh, do you have the Shutter channel? I don't. Do you? Yeah, uh, I do. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on the Shutter. Sure, channel. I mean it's the absolutely. point of the channel, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the recent horror film that I kind of enjoyed was Mandy. Mandy. Uh, the, yeah, I still have not seen it. Yes, Nicholas Cage, Cage. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, 
directed by uh, Panos Cosmatos. And uh, it's really good. It's weird. It contains a batshit crazy uh, Nicolas Cage performance. What else is new? Uh, and uh, it sort of falls in the subgenre of the, the crazy cult. The crazy cult movies, Steve. Those are, those are kind of interesting. A lot of yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's definitely worth seeing. It's definitely a wacky movie. Yeah, I like Not a, a good movie cult that you movie. Take, uh, take too seriously. But it's got some genuinely creepy shit in it. And uh, it's well worth checking out. And there's a lot of uh, horror television, too. That's, that's, is that another crazy claim, Steve? Am I making a crazy <laughs> claim? Oh, that one sounds actually more legit. That one, I think you can come up with some more examples. I think, as I opposed to the sci-fi horror that all the kids are talking about. <laughs> um, I got a couple under-the-radar ones about, uh, like, fucked-up families, which I think is a good horror thing, too, that, uh, you know, Psycho, obviously, is one of the predominant ones. but mm-hmm. or, or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right, you know, a right. famous disturbed family out in the woods. But uh, right, right. there's this great movie called We Are What We Are, um, which I... Hold on. I'm a, because there's another one with a very similar title. but uh, And I think it's a remake, but... It is about a family of cannibals, and that one is, uh, I highly recommend. That is a nasty little genre movie about a family that's kind of in a, you know, lives off by themselves in a farm. Um, That is very good. And I just recently saw a really good, pretty low-budget movie called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, uh, which is... In its weird way, a vampire movie. Um, that movie is is really low budget. It does star uh, Patrick Fugit, I think is how you say it, from Almost mm-hmm. Famous mm-hmm. fame. Yeah, you know, sure, now sure. he's you know a man. He's, yeah, he's, man he's very much a man in this. He's not a child. He's got a beard. <laughs> he's got a pot belly. Um, but my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Is uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting take on the vampire movie. It does have some horror elements. Like, it certainly has some scary parts of it. And I, I don't know about you, Andre. There's still, I'm just going back to my film school roots or what, but I'm always interested in a movie that you can tell didn't cost a lot of money, but they did some clever things. In right. It. You know, like the innovation of how things are shot, how things are staged. Like, you can watch it and be like, all right, let's see what these people did with not a lot of resources uh, and that's a fairly new movie i think that's a 2021 movie i saw it on amazon it's you had to pay for it but you know it's again i think i paid four dollars which is cheaper than going to a movie <laughs> and uh but yeah if you want to check out a more recent kind of a an independent horror movie uh, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to and also has things to say that uh you know i've heard some things interpreted it as a it's a bit like a cult but it's more about Family dynamics, I would say, than any sort of external group that right. you get sucked into. Right, right. I like that. I'm also a big fan of like lo-fi, low-budget films that manage to pull off something interesting. And usually, that does require a certain degree of intellectual content. In it, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, that's how you make up for like if you don't have a lot of money for your monster, then you got to have something else going on, right? Right. Right. Well, not everything has to be a monster movie. Like, like there's there, there's definitely a subgenre, and 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 maybe a little kind of bleed through 
pardon the pun, to uh, the suspense film as well. I mean, a lot of very suspenseful films about, you know, murderers on the loose and so on uh, definitely get close to horror in terms of certainly the effect they have on the audience. Yeah, and like that's what would, an interesting cross. What would you say is the difference between a suspense movie and a horror movie? Well, I, I, I think I think most true horror movies have a certain supernatural or monstrous, uh, I would say, sort of hypernatural element that suspense movies normally don't. Suspense movies normally deal with, you know, the. I mean, suspense. I mean, suspense is what they're called, but I mean that's the sort of the emotion, the the state these films keep you in, and they mean and they usually keep you under threat of a more uh, naturalistic kind of monster, uh, the worst kind, you know, the man, the one that actually exists. Uh, and uh, horror very often um, deals with kind of made up monsters fantasy elements. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think the main difference is, but there's definitely bleed through, like like the genre that I mentioned, or the subgenre that I mentioned, uh, like man against the, the elements, man against nature. I mean, that's a very thin line. Like Jaws, in all fairness, is not science fiction. It's not supernatural in any way. It's, it, it's definitely a horror film, right? Uh, well, that's interesting. You know, when you first said that, it's like I've seen it both ways. And, uh, you know, like with all genres, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder of what is or isn't a certain genre movie. But, right. yes, Jaws is certainly, it's a terrifying thing coming after you. And the shark arguably behaves in ways that are more extreme than a real shark would. Right, right. But that said, it is still within the realm of probability. All of it is very much within yeah, the realm but, of Yeah, but by the same realm, you could argue that, um, you know, the original Halloween, like Michael Myers is, you know, the things he goes through seem a bit unbelievable, but at the same time, I guess it is possible that there could be a crazy kid who comes back to the town he grew up in and starts killing people. Yeah, like absolutely. That, that concept itself is, is, is almost pedestrian these days. <laughs> yeah, but Let's I, be honest. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but, but, I mean, but he is, Michael Myers specifically in those films is presented in a supernatural yes. form. Yes. Well, as, those, as that series went, he, went along, it certainly, they added in elements. Well, like in the new one, like he seems demon. indestructible, yeah. you know? And in, the, in, the, in this new one, they would, you know, again, most number one movie in the country, um, they, you know, they kind of, he does seem slightly supernatural. He does not seem like a, sure. just, you know, run-of-the-mill murderer in a, in, a, in a movie. Well, I mean, that's actually, you know, gone back for a lot of these movies with re recurring villains. You mm -hmm. almost have to have a supernatural element to explain the fact that the villain doesn't die. Right. Like, you get to a point where if you want to have any sort of continuity from one of these movies to the next and continue to have your villain that seems indestructible even after sometimes literally dying, then the only avenue left is to explain it away by saying, well, he's actually not like a real person. He's kind of like a demon or a monster or something like that. Um, right. I heard an interesting description of like the difference between a suspense movie and a horror movie is that a lot of times in the suspense movie, like 
bad things are happening to your protagonists or they're in bad situations and they don't necessarily know the source of the people attacking them. Right. Like, you know, part of the suspense or the thriller is figuring out, like, who's the true villain? <laughs> you know, like, it seems like the world is, array, you know, coming against you, but, like, why? Why is that happening? And a lot of times in horror movies, you know who the villain is pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more about a question of can you survive or not? Right, right. And you're talking about a certain type of horror movie, too. And, and, and again, like slasher movies, I guess, you know, you can't, I mean... I think it's undeniable that movies like Friday the 13th and Halloween fall in the horror genre. I mean, under the horror umbrella. Sure. I mean, it's undeniable, right? Um, so it's just a, you know, that's the, 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 that's where that line is very blurry between horror and suspense. But, you know, in that, in that vein, I remembered a movie that I saw recently that I kind of liked that was in that sort of Man Against Elements or Woman Against Elements movie. It's called Hunter Hunter. And it's a small-budget film. I mean, literally, it's kind of filmed in the forest, really, for the most part, in, like, a cabin. But it um, doesn't have any big stars in it. But it's about a family that, li- like, lives off the grid. And I mean, like, off the friggin' grid. They don't have even cell phones. They just live in a cabin in the woods, and they hunt their own food. And they used to live in the city. And you don't quite find out why they decided to move. But um, they move, and... Um, things start going bad. Uh, and uh, it takes a while to figure out what the hell is going bad exactly. But uh, once you do, it's uh, there's no going back from it. And the movie's very tight. It's, uh, it's scary. <laughs> but uh, it's not really a supernatural kind of a scare a movie. It's, uh, it's definitely like surviving against nature, but also maybe against a serial killer. We don't know. Yeah, Hunter, uh, Hunter, 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 and I'm not even sure whether that's on Shutter now because it was a small film that I just happened to see somehow and um, really liked it. Like, yeah. uh, like I'm, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't get further picked up because it's a tight little fr- thriller and uh, it's very well made, well acted, and like has a surprising and strangely satisfying ending um so that sounds great i'll check that out yes and shutter does offer a lot of awesome options even for non like a huge horror fan like myself i mean shutter man there's good stuff on shutter this episode brought to you by shutter brought to you by shutter it's no. I wish. I wish we'd get some of that shutter <laughs> some of that money. shutter money yeah but no 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 shutter money for us well, one of the most, uh, I feel like kind of fast becoming one of the more popular horror directors uh, at the moment where people are starting to recognize his name and be like, oh, this is a, you know, a, a production by this guy. Is this guy named uh, Mike Flanagan? Mike Flanagan. Yeah, he's got this show on Netflix right now called Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, he had a show on Netflix that was a big hit called uh, The Haunting of Hill House. That's right. Uh, he's also done some movies. And um, did you see Dr. Sleep? 
I did not see Doctor Fish. You know, Steve, which I heard was better than like maybe you might think it would be. Right. I I bailed on Doctor Sleep. I hated it so much for the hour that I tried to watch it that I actually had to get the hell out of it. I I loathed it, Steve. Absolutely loathed it. So the the opposite of a ringing endorsement. The opposite (laughs) of the yeah yeah. That's a strong thumbs down for me. Having said that, because I never finished the film, do I really have a right to judge it? Because Perhaps the second half was fantastic. Well, I don't know, we don't but know. it is true. If the if the first half is so bad, you're like, I don't. Feel it was it. aggressively bad, yeah. and I, and maybe it just wasn't in the mood to watch that kind of stuff. Because again, I don't know. Sometimes I don't want to mo- watch movies about child murder. Yeah, no, I understand. That. Sometimes They're... I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking. I never want to watch those movies, but you know, but sometimes you're really not in the mood for it. Yeah, and uh, I think that was just the case with me. Uh, but I can't uh, give a ringing endorsement for what I saw from Doctor Sleep. But uh, my daughter Lily loves the haunting uh, of Hill House. She yeah, thinks it's fantastic, and uh, she, and she so she's been highly recommending it. And I started watching uh, Midnight Mass, and it's different. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm interested. He has a very Stephen King vibe in yeah. general, which is kind of interesting that he adapted the, you know, Dr. Sleep because he, yeah, like he's very much, yeah, Stephen King tropes even pop up in his movies. And that's, I've seen a couple of his movies and I've been watching Midnight Mass too. And it, it's interesting. It's like, I like it. I don't find it particularly scary, but kind of interesting. And, but he did this movie, it, it's not his very first movie, but an early one called Hush from mm-hmm. 2016. It's a very simple premise where it's a woman who, she lives in the woods. Uh, she lives by herself. She does have neighbors. She's not, you know, like in a total uh-huh. cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. but she lives in kind of a, like a rural house. Uh, it's implied that maybe she just broke up with somebody and uh, somebody comes to like, it's a home invasion scary movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twist of Hush is that the lead character is deaf. So the person trying to break into her house kind of picks up on this right away and uses that and how he like torments her. And, you know, like you can't call her on the phone or she can't call. So, um, and he can sneak up on her. You know, there's an element of suspense. Like, so there's moments where like he could be very close to her and she mm-hmm. doesn't even know it. Um, but Hush is a it's a good time. It's a fairly simple premise, but well executed. Like, a, like I just told you what's about. If you go into that, I feel like you would not be disappointed in how they do it. It's not necessarily like the most surprising. You know, it doesn't go in insane different directions. Mm-hmm. But having watched that, you know, I watched that before. I, I think it was my first Mike Flanagan thing I viewed, and. I could see you're like okay, this guy's talented. Like you yeah. know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, agreed. And uh, yeah, he, it's interesting that he's starting to make a name for himself in horror because I I don't know how like original he is. Like he's just kind of like almost just like a solid craftsman. Yeah. Well, I mean, originality is overrated. You know, everybody wants originality, but when somebody comes out with something original, a lot of times people just go, huh. Well, and sure, but I mean, and then somebody yeah. has to imitate that thing for that stuff to catch on. By the time it was, it's too late for. The I'm just saying, you know, we mentioned things like, you know, the movie Alien was kind of groundbreaking in a lot of, not just for like it was a scary movie, but like you know the design of it and stuff. like Right, that. right, so, right. It was a good. I mean, there's there's something to be like one of the main things in horror is that sometimes somebody stumbles upon like a villain or even just an image or a mask or something. 
Freddy. That, yeah, well, I mean, exactly. Like a symbol that becomes scary to people. And Getting back to TV, do you... Do you have a favorite uh, horror TV series? Well, I mean, there's been so many. That's you know, interesting. So like I, I mean, I think so. I know one of the ones you're going to say, which I haven't seen. But I, some of my favorite horror TVs are, again, it seems weird to even qualify them as horror. I mean, like, I, I was pretty into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I uh-huh. thought that was a really right. good show. Oh, that was a strong that's a horror, horror. Sure, I mean, like, yeah. I think Joss Whedon even For called it sure. a horror movie. For sure. And uh, they have an episode called Hush with these villains. It's Ironically. The, yeah. Well, and it's about these people who take all the sound from the town. They're called the gentlemen. That's the villains. Mm-hmm. That is a scary hour of TV. Uh, if anyone uh, wants to dive into just like a single episode of Buffy, you could probably watch that one without knowing a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a, that's genuinely scary. And the other one I always think about, like, again, not, I don't know that people would ever say like, yeah, that's a horror movie or a horror TV show, but it is Twin Peaks. I mean, Twin Peaks has had some of the scariest shit I've ever seen on television. Uh, tw- yeah, Twin Peaks has some, some and I genuinely psychological I mean, uh, horror. Both the original two-season run and the return. I, I agree. There the return, some really the return, frightening return. moments in yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I agreed, agreed. The X-Files, of course, had some scary stuff. Yeah. Talking about that's kind of... Yeah, what about, I mean, the one I was thinking you were going to mention, which I is on my list, but I've still never seen, is uh, Hannibal, of course. Yeah, well, Hannibal, again, it falls into this weird category. I mean, it's a serial killer show, right? I mean, it's a, ser- yeah. it's a serial killer genre. Is serial killer genre, is that a genuine horror subgenre, or, or is, it, it's all, is it like uh, more in the suspense side of things? Does it matter, really? Well, I mean... Yeah, I guess most most there are serial killers in real life, but I would argue that almost every movie about a serial killer is a horror movie. I mean, there are kind of exceptions, but even the most of the movies made about the real life serial killers are very much done as horror movies. Not (laughs) well, yes, yes, it's a it's a horrifying concept. So, but I mean, like a seven, a horror movie, or is this a suspense movie? And and is Silence of the Lambs a horror movie or a suspense movie? Yeah, I would say both of those are pretty friggin' scary movies. Yeah, and 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 are, are for the most part scarier than most movies you're gonna see about, you know, monsters, uh, you know, uh, in a re- genuine disturbing manner that'll stick with you after the film, you know, and and so Hannibal definitely falls into that. Uh, that side of things, and uh, it's a fantastic show. It's definitely worth seeing right now. I think it's uh, it's on Netflix now, so it's a it's a good time to check it out. But I was thinking that actually one of my favorite horror television series um, is uh, is a show from a few years ago called uh, Penny Dreadful that uh, John Logan did. Okay, yeah. And, I- uh, do you remember I know that? what you speak of, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was like a Showtime show or something like that. Or I, I don't, I don't even remember where it originated. But it was, it was kind of a cool show. It, it, you know, it, it wasn't like crazy star studded. But uh, 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 Josh Hartnett is uh, is in it. Uh, Ava Green, who's fantastic, is in it. Timothy Dalton is in it. He's that's probably his best performance ever. And uh, um, and. Uh, it's, it's a really cool series. It's sort of set in this Victorian era. And on the one hand, it, de- it takes these classic Victorian monsters, and you can name them off, you know, of course, the uh, Wolfman, the fucking 
Frankenstein, uh, Dracula, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of repurposes them for a different kind of story. It's so, on the one hand, it's both derivative and kind of original. It kind of does a better version of, remember that thing, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that uh, uh, Alan Moore wrote as a graphic novel, but they made it into a terrible movie with yes. Sean Connery? It made um, Sean Connery, I think, stop acting. That's right. It was the, such a it, bad experience. It killed Sean Connery's career. I mean, he was he, he was long due at that point. But It's uh, just fun to pile on uh, the, yeah, the other crimes yeah, of the, that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And actually... Frankly, that movie is not quite as bad as I think people make it out to be. I think it's not that horrible, but it's pretty bad. But this is kind of a better version using that same concept, sort of a team-up of the movie Monsters. But what Penny Dreadful does is, first of all, it does it in a way that I think is realistic, both in terms of the way it's handled, but also realistic emotionally and psychologically to what they're talking about. So it's a very mature show about characters that we've come to take for granted and who've become cliches over the years. And uh, I really, really think, especially the first two seasons of that show, are excellent. The acting is excellent. The writing is excellent. They're clever. Uh, they, I mean, personally, I think it's one of the best adaptations of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in, on an intellectual level that's ever been on screen. I mean, that book has never really, really gotten the treatment that it deserves. What we know of as Frankenstein's monster is nothing like the novel Frankenstein, right? Um, and this one was very much like the novel Frankenstein. So kudos to it for that. But ironically, Steve, uh, now that I'm recommending the shit out of Penny Dreadful, they just took it off Netflix. So there's literally nowhere in the U.S. that you could watch Penny Dreadful. Well, Sorry. You know, if any of our uh, listeners own a DVD player, you might be able to rent it from your local library. I bet you could, too. And I bet you it'll pop up on a streaming service somewhere very soon. There are and non-streaming ways to watch things. True, true <laughs> that. I, I'm not, we are not, we're not encouraging that kind of behavior. But, uh, but uh, I, meant, I meant the library or good old-fashioned discs. Oh, no, I was, oh, you no. were talking about... A, no, no, no. You were still talking about streaming. You were just talking about <laughs> extra-legal extra streaming. <laughs> well, you know, what do you, it's out there. You know, sure. Let's be honest. But we're certainly not encouraging it. But... Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that show, and I highly, highly recommend it. Again, especially the first two seasons. If you bail after the first two seasons, you're fine. If you bail after one season, you're also fine. The first season is fantastic. <laughs> well, let's leave it all open. I mean, and I say if you've never seen it, you're fine as well. So, therefore, that's all the options for you, no matter which path Stop you it. take. If you haven't seen great. it at all, you're missing out. Watch the first season if you're in the mood for horror, like real horror. I can't believe they took it off. Right before Halloween. Maybe it'll come out on Shudder. This episode brought to you by Shudder. Call yeah, your Shutter cable provider shows. and see if you can get Shudder. Shudder. Something Shutter for everyone. Shudder has shows. Absolutely. And, you know, what I love most, though, about that particular show is that it deals not just with horror the way we think about it. Not just a horror... Uh, of the monster, of the creature in the shadow, of the vampire sucking your blood, or you turning into a, a 
a hungry beast that has to kill. Um, it also deals with other kinds of horrors like disease and poverty. These things were very, very real horrors in the Victorian era, England, and all over the world, of course, yeah. and still are. And 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 that that show, strangely enough, shines a light on those very, very real horrors, and it puts them side by side with supernatural horror or psychological horror. And um, it does it very well, very skillfully, at least for those first couple of seasons. Well, and that, you know, just now you saying that, it made me think that that might be part of my problem with zombies, is that while I know the zombies, zombies have been used as metaphors for all sorts of different things, um, you know, for the mindless hordes. <laughs> yeah. But I think part of my problem also with zombies... Also collapse of civilization. Yeah. Well, part of my problem with zombies is that my maybe least favorite method is, like, sickness and illness. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it in real life. I don't like it in my horror movies. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the zombies are by nature sick. So then, like, zombie movies are, like, just a parade of, in some ways, very sick people. Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, like you said, the how in the Penny Dreadful show that sickness and disease that is a very real factor, uh, and it's true and it's scary. But man, it's way less fun than a monster. <laughs> you know, like getting gangrene will kill you maybe as well as a serial killer, but it's not as much fun to like watch or think about. Boy, I mean, you said it, and 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 you know, I've always said like 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 one of my least favorite subgenres is more of a like an epidemic subgenre, right? Yeah. Where like the horrible, you know, like you're gonna die from something you can't even see that just travels invisibly from body to body, and that's, you know, I mean, that's literally the world we're living in. So I agree with you. I, I mean, that I think the, the 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 zombie films are connected to the pandemic subgenre, uh, but. Um, a little, it has other elements, you know. I think zombie genre is popular because um, they're intrinsically action-packed, you know, because they always involve people running with guns, running around, shooting zombies and stuff yeah. like that. So you could amp up the action, and that's just been kind of happening in the genre all over. But it also deals with collapse of society, collapse of civilization, survival, um, you know, some, and, and it does have elements of the genre that I like, which is sort of man against nature. Uh, so, I mean, I, I understand why they're popular, but I also think they've been overdone a little bit, you know, and, and I'm a little bit tired of it. Like I said, I want the werewolves to come back. Yeah, well, maybe uh, we get some wolf action on the horizon. I want more wolf action, man. I, I, I like I like wolves, both like wolves when used as like just scary antagonists in a movie, like in the movie Grey with Liam Neeson, which is an awesome Man Against Nature movie, like really, really good. I really recommend it. Um, it's a good like survival in the elements film and like different people trying to get along. Not really a horror film, but it's you know it definitely has scary elements because you know like these guys crash in the middle of Alaska and right in the middle of like wolf country. <laughs> yeah, wolves are like you're this is this is our territory and they just come after them. You know, and pack. It's scary. You don't want to be in that situation. But Flesh. if you are. You'll good to have Liam Neeson there. That's exactly yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, it's good that Liam is there with you, and he's like a likes a sharpshooter, so he's got skills too. He's not just you know uh, authoritative. Yeah, as he normally is. Shout um, out once again to Liam Neeson, a man who <laughs> kind of became an action star in his fifties, <laughs> and is now in his seventies. I mean, he had some physical roles before then, but uh, 
hats off to Oscar nominee, respected actor Liam Neeson, <laughs> who later in his career just started cranking out action movies. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a it's a good way to go. Well, what else, buddy? What I don't know. Th- that's a pretty freewheeling one. I don't know that uh, anybody who's stuck around this long. Thanks for your patronage. You should get Shutter. <laughs> uh, but hopefully we gave you guys uh, some recommendations for some horror movies, both uh, classic and uh, more recent offerings. Yeah, I mean, how about a so a couple of quick shout outs? What what do we what do we what do we single out? Uh, Midnight Mass is very good, right? Midnight Mass. Um, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Absolutely, uh, Penny Dreadful, the TV show, yeah. the, the movie, old movie Them, the movie Mandy. <laughs> Mandy is uh, excellent. The movie We Are What We Are. The, uh, the movie Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter. The Black Coat's Daughter. Absolutely. That's a movie I like. And you know what? I'm a big fan of around Halloween time. You know, Halloween is ultimately kind of a silly holiday a little bit. And I think watching these super depressing horror films may not be the way to go sometimes. I recommend uh, both the movie and the television show of. Uh, what we do in the shadows. I second that. Yes. Taika Waititi's sh- movie, Taika Waititi's show, it's hilarious. Uh, the movie is just as good as the show, and the show. Yeah, is, I mean, uh, uh, they're they're a little different. They're both. Uh, if anyone's never seen these movie, any of this stuff, it's basically a mockumentary, Christopher Guest style about vampires. <laughs> uh, so the the movie, What We Do in the Shadows, is it follows around this group of four vampires in New Zealand who live together. And then the TV show, a uh, very similar thing. It's like a mockumentary. There's a camera crew. Uh, but it's in America. And the one, I mean, the show's great. Everybody's great. But I particularly, I've always been a fan of Matt Berry. Matt Berry is a some people might know from Toast of London or Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Excellent musician, by the way. Yeah, and... His new album rocks. What We Do in the Shadows, some good Matt Berry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jackie Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there we uh, go. That's we a little a, lighthearted. A fair. lot of fun. We're ending on a, on a high note. Uh, that's definitely good Halloween watching, for sure. Uh, and... Um, That's it, Steve. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Steve Haskin. I'm Andre Shane. We'll see you next time.